Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. It's the Cleveland Guardians 5, the Chicago White Sox nothing. The Guardians even up the series and split it two games to two. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And it was nice to see the Guardians respond after two days of looking listless on offense. Uh, they respond. They have themselves a good game, mostly via the home run, which, hey, it's not the Guardians' way, but, you know, I'll take it. Uh, it definitely makes the game more exciting. And... Uh, they do a good job of scoring in multiple innings, and uh, really, they do a good job of playing defense behind Aaron Savali. Again, it's not going to show up in the box score. Uh, Savali has a really solid game, and it's because his defense was pretty rock solid behind him. Uh, I mean, you had amazing plays. From Andres Jimenez, who was making backhand plays, who was turning slick double plays with Gabriel Arias. You had Will Brennan making sliding catches in right field, even if he even if he threw the ball to first base when there was literally nobody there. Uh, I guess his instincts kicked in, right? He knew he had a chance at doubling off that runner at first. Didn't even take time to look at where Josh Bell was. Josh Bell was trailing the runner to second. Um, which which is a play. Like it, it's not hundred percent Josh Bell's fault why he wasn't on first, right? Th- that's a play. The first baseman tra- uh, trails the runner to second. Um, and so Brennan, yeah, uh, great catches. Uh, probably needs to look just for a second before he lets that ball go. Um, and then uh, uh, Jose Ramirez too with a leaping catch at third base, uh, stealing a line drive hit. From who was it? Was it Ben Attendee who hit that one? Um, so yeah, so great defense behind Aaron Savali in this one. And Francona uses his bench correctly. Once he has that lead, after I think we were more than halfway through the game, uh, that's when Miles Straw goes in defensively in center field. That makes sense. I think it was a three nothing lead at that point. When uh, Straw went in, I don't know exactly when David Fry went in defensively for Josh Bell at first, but that's a good job of utilizing your bench with the lead. You get your good defense in there, and uh, you let those guys run to the end of the game. I got no problem with Miles Straw being used that way. So, uh, yeah, some power from the Guardians and some really good defense and a sick curveball from Aaron Savali gets you uh, the, the Sunday getaway day win. And uh, even up the series. So that's now, uh, was that four series in a row now without a series loss, we could say. Uh, They had won three in a row. They don't win this series, but they don't lose it either. So, uh, okay, it's something. You're back to 500, okay? Uh, All right, let's get into some more details in this game because I've got some details for you on Savali, on Quan, on Ramirez. Um. The home run ball. Let's talk home run balls first because your Guardians offense uh, really gets into it. Uh, They score in the second inning via walks. (laughs) Unbelievable here. But Oscar Gonzalez with a walk to lead off the inning after Brennan flies out and Gabriel Arias lines out. Gabriel Arias, by the way, had three hard hit balls, but only one hit to show for it. Um, But those hard hit balls still make him intriguing, even though that batting average is pretty brutal. 
Uh, Cam Gallagher with a two-out walk. Stephen Kwan with a two-out walk to load the bases. Andres Jimenez with a bases-loaded walk. Kopech just could not find his fastball. He was all over the place. And this probably had a lot of you worried. Uh, after he walks the bases loaded, after he walks in the first run of the game, he is able to then strike out Jose Ramirez uh, to uh, get out of the jam, to end the threat. I mean, they had brought the trainer out to look at Kopech. That's how, that's how nobody had any idea where that fastball was going in that inning. That's how wild he was. Uh, first the manager comes out, then the catcher goes out, then the trainer goes out. And yet somehow he's able to recover and strike out Jose Ramirez. Now, Jose Ramirez would get his revenge, but it definitely felt like a moment in this game. At the time, in that second inning, it really felt like we let him off the hook here in this second inning. Like We should have really, if it were us, if it were the other way around, and one of our pitchers was struggling with their command, and their best hitter was up, their star hitter was up, the number three hitter with the bases loaded, you just know that guy would at least hit extra base hit is off of him. And instead Ramirez strikes out to let him off the hook. Oof. That one that one hurt a little bit. I I was concerned uh at that moment in the game. But they would alleviate my concerns in the 5th inning. Multiple home runs in the 5th inning. Let's go uh well first I'll tell you the uh the data then we'll go to the matchups. Quan's home run to lead off the inning, 100.6 mile per hour exit velocity, 25 degree launch angle, 369 out to right field. Would have been a home run in 26 out of 30 ballparks. And then Ramirez steps up, 108 miles per hour, 26 degree launch angle, 418 out to right field, 30 out of 30 ballparks. So let's go to these matchups here. Quan's matchup to lead off the inning against Kopech. Uh, shows him a fastball inside to start the at-bat, which he takes for a called strike. Uh, then it's a changeup up and away that he fouls off. A curveball off the plate that he lays off. So he's in the hole. It's a 1-2 count. And Kopech decides, okay, that fastball worked at the beginning of the at-bat. Let me try to come inside on Quan again with a fastball. Uh, usually in these kind of counts, he's looking to just shoot something opposite way. But he was ready. He was ready for the inside fastball from Kopech and turns on it. This thing is middle of the plate, inside edge, and he turns on it uh, at 100.6 miles per hour. And I went to his illustrator to see, Quan now has five home runs on the season. Have they all been inside pitches like this? No, no, I can't say that. Uh, This is the most inside pitch uh, that he's hit for a home run. They all are up and elevated above the belt, but uh, they tend to be out over the plate a little bit. Uh, So this is the only four-seam fastball he's hit out for a home run. He's hit two sinkers, one off Aaron Nola, one off Martin Perez, that were both middle up, really elevated two-seam sinkers. Uh, he's hit a changeup off Jorge Lopez that he left, yeah, middle in. Um, uh, I would say that. And then a slider that was kind of middle out over the plate, though, from Jorge Alcala. Um, so he's he's hit a variety of pitches. It isn't necessarily uh, the middle in pitches that he's driving for home run. I would say these pitches are mostly on the inner half of the plate, but some of these are right down the middle. Um so that's kind of, there's not really a pattern to what Stephen Kwan is hitting out for a home run. So let's move to the matchup then against Jose Ramirez. And 
Kopech just shows him a ton of fastballs in this at-bat. After dropping a curveball in the dirt for ball one, misses high with a fastball uh, for making a 2-0 count, throws him a fastball on the outside edge that he fouls off, so it's a 2-1 count now, and decides to just stick with the fastball. And we know Jose Ramirez is hunting fastballs. I don't know why they didn't... I don't know how. I don't know how with the reputation Jose Ramirez has... You would use this pitch sequencing. Why would the catcher call these pitches? Three fastballs in a row. This one, so he fouled off one on the outside half of the plate. This one comes kind of middle-middle, slightly middle-in, and he turns on it at 108 miles per hour. Then, later in the game, when Ramirez comes up again, this time with a runner on against uh, Declan Cronin, uh... It's another inside pitch. This time it's a slider, though. And it's the same situation where they're showing him the same pitch over and over and in the at-bat. He throws a sinker in the dirt for ball one. Throws a slider that breaks. It's at the belt. It breaks in on his hands. It's on the inside edge of the plate, and he fouls it off. Throws him another sinker off the plate that he lays off. It's a 2-1 count. Throws him another slider that's more middle-middle, and he fouls that one off. Throws him the third slider that's in the exact same location as these other two sliders. It's kind of middle in. It's kind of in between the second and the fourth pitch of the at-bat. But he's seen this slider three times in a row. He swung at it three times now in this at-bat. And this one, he finally turns on and squares it up and hits it at 102.3 miles per hour. 21 degree launch angle, 348 just over the fence in right field. This one would have been a home run in, I believe it was less, 14 out of 30 ballparks, but still would have been a home run at Progressive Field. Uh, so home or away, this one's going out. So yeah, that's two pitches on the inside middle in that Jose Ramirez hits for a home run. So I had to go to Jose Ramirez's illustrator and look at the home runs that he's hit from the uh, from the left side of the plate. 12 home runs now on the season. And this is probably the most in of all those pitches. Again, it's a it's a decent mix. It's five four-seam fastballs, one cutter, one curve, one slide, uh, two sliders, two changeups, and one knuckle curve down and away from David Robertson. But again, uh, not really necessarily a pattern to any of this. Most of the fastballs are up above the belt. Same with that cutter. It was a hanging curveball from Corey Kluber, actually, that he hit out from a home run. That's a pretty much middle-middle hanging curveball. Uh, both the sliders... Uh, have been above the belt, but he's even gone down and hit some change-ups from down around the thighs and a fastball down there uh, out for home runs. And a lot of these are middle-middle. Uh, the, like I said, this is the most inside pitch that he's turned on for a home run, uh, this slider from uh, Cronin. Everything else tends to be kind of middle-middle. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, that's your uh, that's your pitch mix there from Jose Ramirez and what he's hit out for a home run. So that's your guardian scoring right there. They do it with the home run. And I'm not going to complain about it. I know we all love to see a guardians rally. But, uh, you know, it's a good job. That second one is a two-run home run from Ramirez. Uh, Jimenez had walked ahead of him. So good job from Andres Jimenez drawing walks in this game. Uh, I'm fine with that in the two-hole. If you're getting on base via the walk, making things happen, an RBI and a run, and you do it all via the walk, I'm okay with that. 
your job up there at the two hole is to get on base, to move runners around and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, was hitting sixth. Uh, yeah, we needed him to drive in RBIs. Um, I was glad that Andres Jimenez did draw that walk uh, with the bases loaded. I know early, that drove in his RBI. I know earlier in the series, I can't remember exactly. Might have been even the first game. I know he came up with the bases loaded, and I was excited for that at bat, and they were able to strike him out with a high fastball. They'd thrown him a bunch of curveballs in the at bat. He had fouled some off, swung through some. He was he was he was battling, and then they went to one high fastball and just blew it by him. Which I, I was sitting there going, "That's enough curveballs. If you want to strike on Andres Jimenez, you probably have to go to a high fastball." And it worked, and it struck him out. So uh, I'm glad to see with the bases loaded here, he's able to come through at least with an RBI, even if it is because Kopech had completely lost command of his pitches. Um, so yeah. That's your Guardians offense. On the other side of things, Aaron Savali. You know, his name has come up so much in trade rumors. The Athletic just did a little big piece on him. Uh, you know, Zach Meisel over there uh, about what the trade value might be. I, I was hoping for more details or some rumors, but there was really not not much detail in the article other than then. Uh, Savali's having himself a good season, and you might get a lot of value for him. I, people have been overpaying for starting pitching, and the trade market's been hot. We haven't really talked about it, but I mean, Scherzer goes to the Texas Rangers. The Rangers have been loading up on pitching. They've been trading like crazy. St. Louis has started moving some of their guys. Obviously, the White Sox have moved a bunch of their guys. The Angels are going at it like crazy, even though they're they're not really in a position to do that. Uh, they're they're still looking like they're going for it this season. I guess if this is your last year guaranteed to have Otani on the team you probably should have thought about loading up maybe a season or two ago uh to support Otani like that um so the trade market is hot right now and they're moving a lot of prospects around for these guys so I see the appeal of wanting to trade Aaron Savali frankly with two and a half years of control left on him I kind of want to hang on to him it's kind of nice to have his veteran presence in the rotation and especially when he's pitching like this. Six innings pitched, three hits, no runs, two walks, four strikeouts on 81 pitches. So pretty efficient to get through six innings. Uh, only hard hit five times. And it was the curveball. The curveball was just nasty on the day. Um, it uh, He threw it the second most. He throws the cutter the most, 28 pitches. Throws the curveball next, 25. The two-seam sinker, 21 times. But that curveball was doing everything for him. It had a 56% whiff rate, five whiffs on nine swings, plus six called strikes. It's a 44% CSW on that pitch. Uh, now, he only had two other whiffs on the day and uh, did have a bunch of called strikes, 18 called strikes total for a 31% CSW total on the day. But that curveball was elite. Uh, when they were in the zone, they had a 40% contact rate on that curveball. Outside of the zone, they had a 50% contact rate on that curveball. So really good swing and miss on that curveball. And again, I went to Aaron Savali's uh, page to take a look at how effective uh, that curveball has been this season. They're hitting, and I know Hamilton had something like this on the broadcast, they're hitting 188 off the curveball this season. Only slugging 313. Now, you might think that's fantastic. Wait till you hear what he did in 2022 with that curveball. 
He hit, they hit 124 off that curveball, and they only slugged 238 off the curveball. So as good as the curveball's been this season, it's actually been even better. Last year, that curveball had a 45.1% whiff rate. This year, the whiff rate is only 26.1. Uh, so yeah, so last year, he was using it as a put-away pitch 27.9% of the time. This year, only 14 point four. Um so yeah, uh it's it's amazing how effective that curveball has been. Um the run value was only a plus three last year on this curveball, which I'm shocked at a 124 batting average. Um it was a plus three. Right now it's sitting at a plus two run value. The difference for Savali this year is actually the cutter. Last year that cutter had a minus three run value. They hit 283 off it. They slugged 512 off of that cutter last year. This year, it's got a plus 11 run value. They're hitting 219 off it and only slugging 324. So he drops the slugging percentage off that cutter almost 200 points. That is huge right there. That That is fantastic. Um, I can tell you he's actually... He's throwing the cutter a little harder, so he went from 86.4 miles per hour to 87.6, so he picks up a mile per hour, and he's spinning it less. Last year, it had a vertical drop of 32.2 inches. This year, only 28.2. Last year, the horizontal movement was 6.5 inches a break. Now, it's only 4 inches a break. So he's spinning it a little different. He's He's throwing it a little harder. He's getting less movement on it. I believe the rotation, let me hear, see here, the spin, the RPMs. Uh, yeah, last year he spun it at 2611 RPMs. This year, 2593. Uh, very slight, very slight difference there. But less spin, less movement, throwing it a little harder. And it's been really effective for him. So uh, that is a huge difference there for Aaron Savali. And like I said, he pitches great in this one, has good defense behind him. Uh, anytime the White Sox got someone on, the Guardians do a good job of shutting it down, uh, getting double plays. Uh, it really was fantastic defense behind him. In the fourth inning, a one-out single from Vaughn, and then Benatendi hits into a double play. Was there another one in the sixth, late in this game? In the sixth inning, he does have a little trouble, but he gets two flyouts. Uh, I believe one of those was the sliding catch by Brennan, and then Vaughn flies out deep to center field. Uh, so yeah, uh, Savali really with an efficient day, and uh, when the offense is doing what they're doing, hitting three home runs, uh, it makes it a lot easier to pitch. So excited about what Savali had on this one. And then the bullpen, you know, you go to uh, your strong arms in the bullpen, and they're able to shut down the 7th, 8th, uh, and ninth innings. Stefan, ultra-efficient, goes 1-2-3 in the 8th uh, on 8 pitches. No hits, no walks, no strikeouts. Just gets it done on 8 pitches. Um, and De Los Santos in the 7th gives up a walk and a strikeout. And uh, Classe does give up a hit in the ninth, But on 12 pitches, he's able to shut things down. So a great job by your bullpen there. Finishing the game off for Savali. So it's a fun Guardians win. It's a solid Guardians win. Uh, and I, yeah, uh, I, again, I don't know what to make of this 500 team. 
there's still two days left at this trade deadline here, so there's still time for them to make a move. I don't know what the power bat is out there. I don't know which middle infielder they're looking that you know they're taking phone calls on. Remember, I know you're excited about Brian Rocchio, but if he is the guy that gets traded, you still have Gabriel Arias and Tyler Freeman here at the major league level. You still have uh, Juan Brito. You have Martinez. You have Jose Tania. Dylan Frias, you have so many middle infielders still coming up in this system. So if Rokio is the guy that gets moved because he is the closest to the majors and the most major league ready of any of those guys, um, don't necessarily think that that tanks the future at shortstop for this franchise, right? Even if Rokio turns into a great player, uh, if you can get a power bat for him, I might sign up for that. I might. It depends on what we're getting there. Uh, so we'll see if the Guardians are aggressive. I hope they are. I hope their front office is aggressive and they do take advantage of this trade deadline. I don't know who that power hitting bat is. There's a couple of AAA guys I know that Guardians Twitter has been throwing around that they could go after. Um, I don't know who that power bat is. But I'd kind of rather see them trade from that middle infield depth than trade pitching right now. I, I kind of don't want to see him trade Aaron Savale right now. I think I think we really need that guy. So uh, we will see what they do. All right, let's move over to the inbox. Jeff uh, with a G. Jeff from Columbus uh, checked in. He said, hi, Davey. Another nice win, but a little bummed that we didn't win a couple more from this depleted White Sox team. You know, the White Sox have been giving us trouble all year Jeff they have they've been giving us trouble all year and uh even this late in the season when they're depleted they're still a thorn in our side uh the twins definitely helped us out by getting swept by Kansas City that's right they lose Sunday two to one uh tough stretch coming up here so hopefully we can play some consistent competitive baseball once again Zavali pitched a gem and Jose powered us to a win offensively nice to see Quan flash some pop too yeah five home runs on the season that's not it's not bad from Quan. It's nice to see from your leadoff hitter. Uh, Jimenez really is great defensively. Once he figures it out at a plate a little more, he will be a heck of a player. Yeah, I mean, watching Jimenez play defense is fantastic. I'm excited to see Noah Syndergaard. He said, but managing my expectations. I hope he's in. I hope he's. We can count on him to eat some innings and give the bullpen a break. I like Norris and Kelly. Side note, the veterans that have been called up to kind of supplement the bullpen and hope they can continue to offer some good. I wonder if we see Karen check anytime soon. Finally, I hope the chatter about Class A being available is just that, mere rumors and innuendo. Thanks for your insight on the pod. I haven't heard anything about Class A being available, and I there is no way. There is, I'm saying it right now. I would be shocked. I would be dumbfounded. There is no way they trade Emmanuel Class A. That guy, they lie, he's going to be here for a long time, closing games for the Guardians. I, I cannot see that. But uh, I, if you're hearing it, Jeff, then maybe you're hearing it. I don't know. But yeah, thanks for the email, Jeff. I am excited. I'm excited to see what Noah Syndergaard has. Just you're right. It's the curiosity of it. He 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 went through his rehab starts. He mentally, can they get him back? Because he he sounds even in interviews like this season has really been kicking his butt mentally. So maybe the change of scenery does help. I don't know if the velocity is ever going to come back on that fastball for Syndergaard, which made him so nasty when he first came up with the Mets. 
But maybe the Guardians pitching staff had some ideas for him. I don't know. I don't know. The way the Guardians pitcher's going, I wouldn't be shocked to see him out there throwing cutters and two-seam sinkers because that seems to be what they've been coaching their guys to do. So we'll see what Syndergaard does. That's a joke. That's a total joke. I have no idea what pitch mix is coming from Syndergaard. Uh, but we, I think we're all going to be tuned in tonight, aren't we? We're all going to be tuned in tonight in Houston to see what happens. Um, we got an uh, email from Marlon as well. Um, great pitching from Savali and homers from Quan and Ramirez are a welcome sight after the past couple of games. It's nice to see them putting up runs on one swing instead of having to string together three or four hits. I know Bo Naylor was out of the lineup because of him catching last night and not playing him in a day game today. However, I'd hope to see Fry in a catcher instead of Gallagher in order to get his bat in the lineup. Yeah, I have no idea what Cam Gallagher is even still doing on this team. Savali is thrown to Naylor. He's thrown to these other guys uh, to Fry. He, he, he said, I threw these guys in my rehab starts at AAA. I'm totally comfortable with them. I have no idea what he's doing starting Cam Gallagher. If you're keeping him defensively as insurance, fine. If he's going in late in the game like Straw does, fine. What is he starting for? What does he need at bats for? Gallagher is just absolutely gone offensively. There's nothing there offensively. Um, so yeah, what is he getting at bats in this lineup for? Uh, so yeah, so that's Marlon's email there. He goes on, uh, the Royal shockingly swept the twins today. They were nine and one against them this season coming into the series and they swept them. And the guardians are now only a half game out of first place. Yarborough stymied the twins offense, which is all too familiar for us. Guardians fans. Yeah. If you remember, Yarborough is the soft throwing lefty that gave us so much trouble. If Cleveland had only won either last night or Friday, they'd be in first place now. Yeah, well, we can't go back in time. It is what it is. But it's definitely nice that the Royals and Yarborough were able to help us. Uh, fingers crossed for Thor's start against Houston tomorrow. Hopefully, they've spotted some things that may help him moving forward. Though I'm sure he'll be on some sort of pitching limit because of coming off the I.L. Yeah, if we get five innings out of him, right? Even four innings. And someone like Curry or Norris could go after that. I don't know where those guys stand in availability uh, after their bullpen day, but yeah, honestly, four or five innings from Thor to start this to start off his Guardians career, I'd be okay with uh, coming off the IL. Um, yeah, he did have a question. Marlon had a question about him using Class A in a five-run game. And look, he needed the work. I know you're you're thinking maybe in the Houston series uh, we'll need Class A. I think Class A's shown he can pitch multiple days in a row. But he had gone way too long without work, and uh, he needed to get in there and throw an inning at least. It was 12 pitches. It's fine. I'm not worried about that. I understand Tito wanting to secure that win and get out of there with a big W uh, on Sunday. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Chicago. It's the Guardians 5, the White Sox nothing. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your thoughts as we're coming down this trade deadline, the rumors you're hearing, what's going on out there. It's getting nuts. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. 